Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. So let's jump into the message today. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. And we're going to start reading in verse 1. As you're finding your place there, I, w- I want to make this statement. If you were not here last weekend, and I know the weather was, it was threatening uh, the snow and ice, and, and so a lot of people probably stayed home. But if you were not here last weekend, I need you to do something for me, okay? Everybody, everybody listening, I know you're trying to find your passage, but I hope your ears are open. I'm going to preach this message to me or to you, but you have to make a deal with me, okay? And here's the deal. If you did not hear last week's message, you need to go to YouTube, to our YouTube channel, One Community Church El Dorado. It posted at 8 a.m. last week's sermon, and it was how to find a good church. You need to watch that. So I, I, and here's my preference, and you're adults, and I cannot make you do this, but if I could make you, I would not let you hear this message until you've heard that message. Okay? So I would like to couple those together. I will also say, to add to that, not only do we have the YouTube channel platform, but we also have audio podcasts. So if you just want the audio, we're on all the major platforms and you can hear that message. Uh, in fact, on our audio, it posts on Monday mornings, uh, somewhere around mid-morning is when we post our, our, our services on audio. Uh, then on YouTube, it's, it's the following Sunday morning at 8 a.m. And uh, we have seen unbelievable results with that. More and more people are watching from all over the country and other countries. In fact, we have nine countries now that are watching us faithfully through our YouTube platform. Can we give God a hand clap for that? That is amazing, guys. That is amazing. So, will y'all make that deal with me? If you did not hear last week's message, please go sometimes this week and listen to that message and then couple that with what you're going to hear today. 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Now, I'm reading from the New International Version, and the heading to this chapter says, to the elders and to the flock. So let's establish this. When you see elders in the, in the Bible, in the New Testament especially, it's referring to church leadership, okay? Uh, then you see the flock. That's referring to the congregation. That's referring to the local church, the church body. So that's the heading here, and this sets the tone for what we're about to read under that heading. So we're talking to elders and to the church. To the elders among you, verse 1, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's suffering who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds, so that, that, that's leaders, pastors, be shepherds of God's flock, that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, 
but eager to what church? Eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you. You're not browbeating people. You're not talking down to people. But being examples. If I had a highlighter, and I trust that you do because I tell you all the time to bring one, I would highlight examples. And I want you to say that word with me. Examples. Examples to who? Examples to the flock, to the other fellow believers. And when the chief shepherd, which is Jesus, appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. I'll be honest. That's why I do this. That is the only reason I do this. I don't do this because I'm infatuated with the title or standing before hundreds of people. I do this because I will receive a crown of glory one day that will never fade away. And I promise you, in the physical, there's not a lot of perks to this. It is not as glamorous as you may think. Okay? But I am doing this for a greater cause and a greater good that I will receive one day in heaven. In the same way, you, are, you who are younger, so when it talks about younger, that's not talking about necessarily in... Um, in chronological age, so to speak. Uh, that's not talking about your specific age. It's talking about younger in the faith. And I've talked to you a lot over the last few months about being immature in the faith and learning and all of those things. So we're talking here to the younger believers who are new in the Lord. It says, in the same way, you who are young in the Lord must submit yourself to the elders, to the leadership of the church. All of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud, but he shows favor. Everybody say favor. favor. He shows favor to the humble. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. That's what Robert was talking about a moment ago. He's not dealing with anxiety. Why? He's casting that on the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. Verse 8, be alert, sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone who to devour. Now that's a very famous verse that we all know, but I want you to put it in context. We're putting that verse right here that we quote so often. Notice the heading. It was to the elders, the leadership, and the church body is what this verse is referring to, that there is an enemy trying to divide the church. Okay, And he hides and he waits and he's strategic about how he attacks a church. And I don't know if you've ever been a part of a church that has major division in it, um, where there's been church splits and all of that. It is, it, is, it is unbelievably horrible. I've experienced it on a large scale twice and I've experienced it on smaller scales more times then I want to count. But what happens is the devil waits in, the, in, the, in privacy or kind of like in the bushes, so to speak, and he watches you and he studies you to see what makes you tick. And then he comes out and he uses that. And that's why this bait of Satan is going to be so profound, Bob, because that's what the enemy does. And the biggest way he hits church people, the flock, is through offense. Okay, that's how he divides churches is through offense. Number nine, resist him, verse nine, resist him standing firm in the faith because you know 
that the family of believers, so notice a minute ago, I had all these new church people, that new church members that we just welcomed, and, and I called them and I referred to them as a family, okay? Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Verse 10, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore to you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. I think we sung about a firm foundation this morning, did we not? We did. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Lord, bless these words that I'm about to say. Today I want to preach to you under the heading of, and here it is if they could put it up, reasons to leave a church. And I'm going to preface every point with when to leave. Now this is a very different subject. I don't think you will find this subject being preached on in America. I may be the only guy today preaching under this subject. I don't know. There may be others, but uh, you don't hear preaching on this very often, uh, if, if, if at all. You're not going to hear a preacher, a pastor, tell you reasons you should leave a church. Why are you doing this? Well, number one, I'm doing this because this was the assignment God gave me, and this is what he told me to preach last week, this week, and it's very unusual what I'm preaching, Okay. The second reason I'm doing this is as a pastor who has a tremendous pastor's heart, I am a pastor to my core. I was raised by and I was a protege to one of the best pastors that, that anybody could ever have, and that would have been my dad. So I've been pastored extremely well. So I'm doing this from a pastor's heart and a pastor's standpoint, okay? The, the other reason I would add to that, a third reason, if not number two, I would say to you, because I want you to have a firm foundation, and I want you to be strong. And I've watched what the devil does, that roaring lying. I've watched what he does to churches and to people. And as a pastor, it, it just rips my heart open. Like, it just breaks my heart to the core of what I have seen him do to people, godly, good people, and how he deceives them, and he comes into a church, and he wrecks this thing. He can wreck it. I mean, just wreck it. And it is awful. It is, is to me, and I've experienced both of the big Ds. I've experienced divorce and I've experienced death. And I would compare it to, to those two. It is, is horrible. It is awful. And I hate it. So if the devil is going to be a roaring lion in the bushes, and he's going to watch to expose, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to be a roaring lion with the line of Judah behind me. And I'm going to expose the devil. And I'm going to expose his tricks, and I'm going to expose his tactics. Because he, he's not going to like this, and there may be spiritual warfare today, and there may be pushback. Maybe not from you, but there's a spirit that does not want us to preach on this. Because why? We're shedding light on the devil. We're shedding light on his tactics and his schemes and his old prowling self that's trying to destroy churches and people. Okay? So this is my heart. This is why I'm doing this. And then I'll even preface again because I want to make sure that everybody's clear. And even when you ask, say that, some people are not clear and they still misunderstand you. This in no way, and I will say it again, this is in no way any part of this message self-promoting me or this church. Okay, I obviously am biased towards this church. I think this is a great church. I don't think this is the only church. I wouldn't, wouldn't even say this is the best church. There are great churches in our community and all over the country. And so if you're watching, wherever you're watching, I believe in the local church. I believe the local church is the hope of the world. Okay? 
And so I'm for you. If you're watching, wherever you're watching, find a local church. Find a local body of believers. And hopefully today and last week weekend, you can glean from the wisdom here 20-plus years of ministry, pastoral ministry, 30 if you include other ministry that I've done in my lifetime. So this is the heart and this is the wisdom that I am preaching from today. Is everybody clear? Every Christian believer should attend church. But I do believe in the wicked age that we're living in, there, there is, as the Bible talks about, a great falling away from the faith. And there is what the Bible calls a growing apostasy. And what that means is people are turning away from church. We saw this uh, in 2020 with the COVID virus. Uh, people are still not back in church after that. And this was a ploy from the enemy, and I know it, it did all kinds of things that we will probably never know, and there was other hidden agendas with, with, with the virus and all of that. But I will say from the devil's perspective, it was a point of view of pulling people away from church. And, it, and, and it's like anything else. Once you get out of the habit, it becomes harder and harder to do. And so you want to build that habit. Like Sunday mornings, for example, th- there should be not a question in your mind during the week And even on Sunday morning or Saturday night, there should never be a question of, am I going to church tomorrow? Like, do I I feel like it? You know, that should never cross our mind. There should be an expectation for your family, for your kids, for your spouse, that everybody knows on Sunday morning, we go to church. There's nothing to debate. There's nothing to talk about. When I was a kid growing up, come on, give the Lord a hand. When I was a kid growing up, I used to ask my dad, of course, you have to understand, back then we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and we had revival services that lasted two weeks to a month, every night of the week. And we still did homework, we still got up early in the morning, went to school, my dad, my dad was bivocational, he still went to work, everybody carried on as normal, but they, we were in church all the time, like all the time. And I used to ask my dad, because I, I mean, I was raised literally in church, We spent more time in the church house than we did our own house. And I would ask my dad sometimes, Dad, do I have to go to church? And he'd say, you don't have to, you get to. Now get in the car and let's go. (laughs) That's just the way he operated, and you didn't question it. So I think maybe one time, one time, and it was a weird occasion, I won't go into that, that he said I didn't have to, and there's a reason behind that, and that was the Lord. But uh, I'll explain that another time. But we went to church. Before we jump into this, uh, I want you to know I'm going to give you some points today, and this is not an exhaustive list. There are other legitimate reasons to leave a church. Uh, for example, uh, when you move or a long-distance drive. Now, I will say a church alive is worth the drive. Now, I understand. I, I think a reasonable drive would be an hour. I, I think that that's, that's doable. I think anything beyond that is, is obviously going to be hard for you to connect to that church by living so far, but some people make it work. Uh, But there's lots of different reasons why people leave church that are very legitimate reasons. So again, this is not an exhaustive list. We live in a culture where commitment is sadly not very common. In fact, it's becoming a dinosaur. Commitment is not a big thing anymore. Uh, People walk out of jobs. uh, They walk away from marriages, friendships, responsibilities, obligations, commitments. And what gets me with our culture is there's no integrity with that. There's no integrity with leaving. And I think how you leave is very important. 
I think it's huge. And I think people don't realize how you leave something is a big deal. And I think you'll be accountable for it. I think you'll stand before God and give an account for how you steward that and then how you even steward it as you left. Does that make sense? And so people walk out. Um, what they do is they leave. They never call. They never text. They never say anything. There's no messages. In fact, they do what our culture calls today ghosting. They just ghost you. And they don't say a word. They don't say nothing to you. They just leave, and you're there scratching your head going, I don't know what happened. Where did they go? I try to reach out. They don't respond. All of those things. And then don't give me that excuse, well, I, di I didn't have my phone with me. No. In today's culture, our phone is an extension of our arms. So don't tell me you did not get the message. You got the message. You just didn't respond. That's called the lack of integrity. Okay? If you're big enough and bold enough to leave something, you ought to be big enough and bold enough to face it, talk about it. Amen. Man, I'm already preaching. I haven't got into this. Okay. So people, this is good, people quickly and impulsively give up on things too soon, including the local church. They impulsively and quickly... Our culture is very driven by emotions, and we impulsively make decisions. Let me give you some foundation before I give you these points. Practical advice, if you're taking notes, uh, and, and I hope that you are, I want to give you some practical things to consider when you're leaving a church. If, you're, if the Lord is prompting you to leave a church, I would first say go very slowly, never quickly or impulsively. Never do that with anger or dispute or offense. Why? Because you will, you will take that offense or that dispute or that anger with you to another church. Every Christian should desire to leave peacefully and in right standing. Don't burn bridges, especially in a town our size, because you will see them again. You will see them in Walmart. You'll see them in Chicken, in Chicken Express. You're going to see them somewhere, and I will add to that, the Lord is going to make sure you see them again. Why? Because he's given you an opportunity to repent and get it right. Both sides. Not just one side. Both sides. The Lord hates division. He hates it. He, hate, he detests it. Um, here's something else. Always check your motives of why you have to leave. Is it feelings or is it emotions? Give it a little time because you want to cycle through those emotions. Cycle through your emotions. Make sure you've experienced a lot of different emotions before you make that decision, because you could be making that decision impulsively and out of your emotions. Always take the advice of other believers, not other believers who have a negative bias towards that church. Of course they will say to leave, because it justifies their leaving. Does that make sense? Get advice from believers who are very mature in, in their faith and even in their age, okay, that will not just tell you what you want to hear. Because people that love you will tell you what you don't want to hear. And if somebody's not willing to tell you what you don't want to hear, they don't love you. Okay? Somebody that loves you, and I'm not talking about browbeating you or ripping you a new one. I'm talking about godly, calm people who will tell you the truth in love, as the Scripture says. Okay? I have those people in my life, and sometimes they tell me things that I do not want to hear. 
but they tell me those things in love and they're trusted voices in my life and I believe them and I, I listen to them as what we read in Peter. I submit myself to them and I know they're giving me good, godly advice. And a lot of times it's my emotions or I'm impulsively trying to rush something or make something happen instead of listening to those that God has put in my life. Does that make sense? Okay, here's another nugget. You should leave with the blessing of your pastor. I think that's a big deal. Oh, well, well he, or she, he or she would never recommend that we leave their church. Oh, no, this one would. This guy would. And I do it a lot. And I don't mean like bad, like people are leaving under bad terms. Every church is not for every person. Okay? Sometimes it's just not a fit for you and your family or for us. It's reciprocal. Church relationships are reciprocal. Does that make sense? So I do not mind telling somebody, hey, we're headed towards Nineveh and you're headed towards Tarshish and you're on the wrong boat, Jonah. And I'll say that. I say it every Next Steps class, don't I? Every Next Steps class, when you come through our church to learn more about our church, I say that same thing every single time. I've said that hundreds of times. This is not the right church. Let us help you find the right church. Does that make sense to everybody? I would like the opportunity, and I think other pastors, if you're online watching, I think every pastor would like the opportunity to be a part of that process with you. Every one of them would like to be a part of the process. What happens too often is, though, and I give you credit, people, I give people credit, they will come to you and say they're leaving, but they tell you they're leaving, and you were never part of that process. That process had been happening a long time, but you never talked with them about it or had them pray with you about it. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, this is just good integrity. That's what it is. It's just leaving well. So you want a pastor to be a part of that process with you, and uh, one of the worst things to do is to hear that from hearsay or to hear that on social media. Okay, this is not where we talk about stuff and express, you know, crazy... That, that, the world can do that, but we're Christians. We are Christians. We should conduct ourselves as Christians. I want to say this. I said it last week. Leaving a church can be a very beautiful thing. It does not have to be bad. It, it doesn't have to be polarizing. It doesn't have to be toxic. Leaving a church can be a very beautiful thing if it's done right. When your season is changing, and I'll talk about that more in a moment, when your season is changing, what can happen, even, even with integrity, it can happen, and for good reasons. Um, and I've, I've watched this happen. I've experienced this happen, happen actually with my, my worship leader one time. I saw this happen, who now is a pastor of a church. Well, there was, among our worship pastor and myself, there started being some friction. Not conflict, but friction. And I didn't understand the friction. I don't think he understood the friction but what was happening is his season was up and his season was changing. Does that make sense? Well, God was calling him. Now he pastors the church his dad founded. Okay, so he, ha he had to leave, but he had to get uncomfortable before he could leave. And so he was uncomfortable and I was uncomfortable. And by the time it was over, no, we didn't fight. We didn't, in fact, he is still one of my best friends. He's probably watching or will be watching. He's pastoring this morning. <laughs> But he will probably watch this service. He's still one of my best friends and most trusted people in my life. And I love him like a brother. Okay? 
But I, at the point, though, it got to where there was so much friction, I was so glad to see him leave. And we weren't fighting. I don't want to paint that picture. It wasn't ugly by any stretch of the imagination. There was just something there that was just like sandpaper. And we both didn't understand it. First time I think I had experienced like that, experienced it like that. First time he had experienced like that. But God was transitioning him. Does that make sense? The danger to me, though, is when your season is changing, every fault of the church and leadership is magnified. Because you're looking at it through that lens. Does that make sense? And if you're looking for fault, you will find fault. Like, you don't have to look far. You will find fault. Is that right? Okay. The danger is, though, when your season is over, you want to make sure other people don't catch your virus of negativity. Now, notice I said virus. It's the same thing as a virus. The flu virus, the COVID virus, any virus. Negativity is contagious. And it, that virus will spread all over a church. And sometimes it, it's so uncalled for. Because the truth is your season was over. Am I preaching too hard? I don't know. Yeah, y'all are like really solemn this morning. So what happens is, thank you, Billy. What happens is your negativity virus can spread. And what would be the tragedy in that is that other people are casualties of your negativity. Their season wasn't over. Yours was. They catch your virus. Does that make sense? To me, it's like recognizing you're in a bad mood. To me, people who are mature enough to recognize your emotions and your mood are very mature people. I'm talking about in the physical. I think it's the same thing with spiritual. Just like I recognize, like, there are mornings I wake up and I'm just not in a good mood, and my wife says good morning, and I want to bite her head off. All she did was say good morning. But before I bite her head off, I'm mature enough now as a person that I realize, Jason, you're in a bad mood. Tread lightly and be very careful. Your next word's what you say to her. Okay? Now, I know we're laughing because that's kind of funny husband and wife thing, but it's very mature. Because you recognize I'm emotional right now. How many of you know anger is an emotion? Anxiety is part of your emotions. All of those things. So you, you recognize that. To me, church is the same way. You realize that something's going on in your spirit. It's not right, but you don't want to project that onto other people. Does that make sense? When you know you're seeing things through a filter of fault or from a stance of a critic, recognize that. Go talk to your pastor or pastors, and here's how you talk to them. Humbly, respectfully, and with love. Again, don't burn bridges down because one day you may need to cross that bridge again. That makes sense. All right. And if it's this pastor you talk to, you will get that same humility, honor, love, and respect back. Okay? It's hard to pastor people who have one foot out the door all the time. It's, it, it, it's almost impossible. I have one foot out the door of the church because I'm waiting for you to hurt me. And I'm going to threaten leaving. Same thing with marriage. A marriage don't work when one foot's out the door and a suitcase is packed. It just don't work. It'll never work. You have to commit yourself. 
Amen. All right. I genuinely care about if it's done right or wrong, and even if it's done wrong, I still love you, and I want to pray for you, and I want to help you. Okay? There's a saying among pastors that's really good. Now, this is a kind of a creed among pastors that I'm going to let you in on. And here's the creed. You be a good pastor while you're there, and you be a good pastor when you leave. I will say the same thing about church members. You be a good church member while you're there, and you be a good church member when you leave. The key to all of what I just said is you leave. Okay? Don't leave with negative tentacles still attached or control over other believers who still attend that church. A godly pastor will always speak to you as long as you don't come in with, with guns blazing, accusing, spitting, making accusations and charges. In Hebrews 12, verse 14, the Bible says, do we have that verse? It says, follow peace with all men and holiness, which, out, which, which without it no man, no man shall see the Lord. No one will see the Lord. When you leave a church, do so with a clean slate. And if possible, leave with the blessing of your pastors. With that said, today I want to give you five of many reasons. Not an exhaustive list. There's many other reasons. But I want to give you five reasons that the Holy Spirit pointed out to me that I want to share with you of when to leave, reasons to leave a church. If you're taking notes, and I trust you are, write this down. Number one, when to leave. You leave a church, number one, when that church, and to me this is a big one, you leave that church when that church has abandoned essential doctrine. What is essential doctrine? Well, I'm going to give you an answer that probably won't satisfy, satisfy those of you who define essential doctrine from your denomination purview or lens. And that's the thing in today's world is all of us have been influenced by some type of church and the church we grew up in or whatever, and that becomes our lens of how we see church. That also becomes the standard of what we think church is. It's the lens in which we were inundated. Does that make sense? I think we have to define that with the whole body of Christ, not just from a biased standpoint. Over a hundred years ago, five basic doctrines were identified by two notable scholars. One was the, has the name R.A. Torrey, and it, this was co-written by A.C. Dixon. This was written in 1910 through 1915. They identified five fundamental essential doctrines of the Christian faith. Now again, we can break this down to nominations, but that's not what we're doing. We're doing this like the whole body of Christ. So here's five essential doctrines. Number one, Trinity, one God, three persons. Number two, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Number three, salvation by faith through Christ. Number four, the second coming of Jesus Christ. Number five, the doctrine of Scripture. The Bible is the inerrant Word of God, meaning it is without error. This book is without error. This is the inspired, God-breathed Word of God right here. We do not err from this book. It is inerrant. We do not leave the doctrines of this book. Does that make sense? Those are considered the five fundamentals among most evangelicals. These, there should be zero tolerance of abandoning these five essential doctrines. Zero tolerance. 
Now, personally, I believe, and I shared in the message last weekend, and this is not just my belief, but this is the belief of the Bible. If you study the book of Acts, the early church, I gave you some doctrine last weekend, four things I think it was, that I gave you from the early church that the early church practiced. Let me give you two of those. Number one, divine healing. I would want to attend a church that preached and taught on divine healing. Why? Because it's biblical. And number two, I've seen too much and I know too much. I have seen God miraculously heal people in front of my own eyes. And to deny that would be to deny my very existence. I believe in the divine healing of the Lord. I believe that miracles, signs, and wonders, things that he did back then, he still does today. He said, you shall do these things and greater because I go to my Father. So I believe in divine healing. The second thing I would add to that is the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is still at work. He's still active. He's still breathing. He's still a part and wants to be a part of the church body. Can I hear an amen? Number two, another reason to leave a church. Number two, your church has avoided the Great Commission. Matthew 28, your church should be reaching the unreachable. Let me ask you some questions. Is your church growing or is it the same people? Are souls being saved and baptized on a regular basis? Does your church and pastors or leadership focus on discipleship growth for you and for your family? These are big deals, guys. The Great Commission requires us to reach the unreachable, to disciple and teach them, not just give them a handout. Okay? The handout is the hook. But if you have to keep handing out, that person is not growing. So if I, ha- if I keep having to come up with gimmicks and give you free stuff to get you to come to church, you're not a growing believer. A growing believer wants to move past that. Okay? I don't want you to just have to entertain me or pull a rabbit out of your hat to keep me in church. Does that make sense? I want to grow. And if somebody's not growing, now you give them time, just like a kid, a kid's attention spans and all of that. The young believers, it takes a little time, but there reaches a time where you should be growing. Here's a big thing as well. Altar time. Does your church have altar time? Is there an invitation for people to come and to be saved and healed and set free and delivered and be filled with the Spirit of God? Does your church offer that on a regular basis? Now, I'm not saying if your pastor doesn't give an invitation every Sunday morning that that is a valid reason to leave because every service has a different flow and every service by the Holy Spirit is designed to have a different thrust behind it. So some services, it may not be conducive for that for an altar time. Some services, the Holy Spirit has another agenda he wants to accomplish. Does that make sense? Okay? But I want you to know this. Your church exists to reach the lost, to reach the unsaved people who do not know Jesus, both locally and globally. Biblically, it is not extreme, if you want to be biblical, to say the church is being added to daily. Daily, those that are being saved. When we say church, though, I do want you to understand, we're not just talking about the building or the campus. We're talking about you, the people. And next weekend, I'm going to teach you right here at One Community, I'm going to teach you how to share your faith, how to win people to Jesus, and how you can get involved because you are the church of how you start reaching the unreachable. Can I hear an amen? Amen. So you are the church. Everybody say, I'm the church. Here's a question. 
Is your church supporting global missions? In this case of this church, absolutely positively. In fact, I told you last weekend we were a few hundred dollars shy of $60,000 this church gave to help missions and other locally and otherwise that we helped. Come on, can we give God a hand clap? So, is there systematic prayer and fasting? What's the answer for this church? Yes, I think we're in the middle of a fast right now. In fact, it ends next weekend. You only have six more days to go. Congratulations. All right. Here's another question. Are there frequent water baptisms? Well, the answer here is yes. Number three, when to leave. Reasons to leave a church. Here's number three. Your church has accepted sinful behavior. This is a very good reason for you to leave and run towards the exit signs. When your church adopts sinful behavior inside the church body. Today's trendy churches are accepting what is called liberal behavior. Churches are more and more becoming woke. They have woke agendas are being carried out, even, God forbid, from the pulpit. Not, why am I saying it? it it's in the Bible. Like to deny that is to deny the Bible. And if you deny that, why are you even coming to church? Okay? We have woke agendas in the pulpit. Denominations are ador- uh, ador- uh, I can't talk. ordaining homosexuality, transgender. Churches are even inviting drag queens to teach Sunday school. This is happening in America. In America, this is happening. You should run for the exit sign. And you should be scared. Okay? You're talking about lightning coming from the sky. It's coming one day. His name is Jesus, and he will part the eastern skies. Amen. So, let me give you some teaching, and let me give you some pastoring, because you need to understand something right here. Okay? If your church has accepted sinful behavior, it is time to run for the exit sign. Now, with that being said, your church, watch the wording, is accepting sinful behavior. I did not say your church should not accept sinful people. Okay, I said behavior, not people. Don't get those two confused. Okay, we exist. What was the last point? We exist to reach the unreachable. Okay, so let's not confuse those. 1 Corinthians 5 is a verse that all churches get very confused and they get very legalistic with very quickly. Because it talks about putting people outside the church. Well, you don't put a person outside the church who is admitting they're sinful. They're coming into the church. They're lost. They don't know Jesus. They should come to the church. Okay? 1 Corinthians 5 is talking about people who know better. It's talking about church folk. People inside the body of Christ that should be off the milk and on the meat, and they know better. And it says in 1 Corinthians 5, this blew me away the other day. I just, I'd seen it, but never seen it. That's the way the Bible does it. The Bible just jumps off, off the pages at you. And this jumped off the page at me. They were, this church right here, was boasting about it. They were boasting about sinful behavior inside the church. Let me tell you something. Sin is non-negotiable. We welcome sinners, but the Bible says Christians who are living, watch my words, 
who are living in open, willing, unrepented sin, we cannot tolerate. Christians. I didn't say unbelievers. I said Christians. Does that make sense? With that being said, your leadership inside the church. Now, if, if, I, if Alicia and I were looking for a church, I would be looking for leadership that is courageous enough to confront sin. That would be the kind of leaders that I'm looking for. The Bible says in this passage, they were boasting about a man sleeping with his stepmother. Read it. The Bible's scandalous. They were boasting. They were being proud about a man sleeping with his stepmother. What they're basically doing, they're boasting about probably how gracious of a church they were. Probably about how they were a church of love and acceptance. Now, let me clarify. We're about love and acceptance. But the day that we tolerate and quit preaching against sin is the day that I am scared for all of us. Come on, church. Would you give God a hand clap for that? That should be a red flag. And if, if I saw that red flag, I would be looking for the red in that exit sign. Amen. Number four. Are y'all ready for number four? My Lord, where did the time go today? Can y'all hang with me? We're going to go over. I mean, it's just going to happen. Can y'all handle it? Okay. Here's number four. When to leave a church? When the leadership and the structure of the church has toxicity. Now, we have seen this over the last so many decades. We have seen leaders fall. We've seen immoral failures among leaders. And I want you to know this about leaders in a church. They're human just like you are. They are humans. They have emotions. They have feelings. They, they can be trapped with all the things you're trapped with. Okay? So we have to understand it from that lens, and a lot of people cannot understand it from that lens. That we are humans. We make mistakes, and we fall short. One of the things that hap happens, and we've seen this happen, all of us can say that have lived long enough have witnessed this, that what can happen is, and here's a big, a big thing that happens among leadership in church. It's a word called pride. And when pride comes in, because I'm seeing results and I'm seeing influence and I'm seeing all these things, pride can creep into a leader's life and it will destroy a person, a family, and a church. And it's toxicity. Um, the other thing I would say with that is control. Control. I want control. I want power. That is toxicity. It don't matter if it's the pastor or the leadership of that church. How many of you know it's his church, not my church? I remind, him, I remind him of that daily. Amen. So what happens is there can be toxicity that comes inside of leadership and there's a lot of things to look for. Um, you'll see control. You'll see um, narcissistic type thinking. Uh, you'll see kind of like dictator type stuff and all this kind of crazy stuff. Those are signs that this is not a healthy church. Okay? When, when that pastor or that leader or leadership or whatever, when they start thinking they're the only church, and if you don't go to this church, you're going to hell... Now, they may not say that, but they imply that. You need to run for the exit sign. 
Okay? And I've been there. I've been a part of churches like that. Um, I went on a road trip one time with a church, and the whole road trip with a group of men, the whole time they made me feel bad that I didn't go to their church, that God didn't call me to their church. Do you see what I'm saying? That's toxicity, and that's being bred somewhere. Amen, church? Okay. The other point I want to add to this is um, pastors, this is another reason. So that was one. Here's another under this point. Pastors who have their hands tied. I would not want to attend a church where that pastor's hands are tied. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 17 through, through 19 is all about ministry. And it says some really good stuff. The elders, that's leadership, who direct the affairs of the church well, are worthy of double honor, especially those who work in preaching and teaching. Now notice verse 18. For Scripture says, Do not muzzle an ox while it's treading out grain, and the worker deserves his wage. This is talking about ministers. Ministry. Verse 19. Do not entertain an accusation against an elder, a leader in the church, unless it is brought by two or three witnesses. It is unscriptural for you to accuse a leader in the church without other leaders witnessing what you're accusing them of. It is unbiblical and it's unscriptural. Amen. So, watch this. Muzzle the ox. That's talking about a leader, pastor, whatever, do not muzzle the ox. When you muzzle a pastor, you're muzzling the vision of the church. It's the same thing as David and Saul's armor. It's another example. David said, I cannot fight like this. I fight like this. And we know what David did. He took down a Goliath. I will add to this, do not compare pastors one to the other. They have different gifts, different strengths, and different things that they are, they are called to accomplish. So you cannot compare one man or one woman to another one. Everybody brings something else to the table. So much of what is going on in the church is spiritual. A lot of times when I'm preaching, I'm not preaching at people. I'm preaching to principalities and rulers of darkness. I'm saying things out of my mouth. The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. What is life? Vision. What is death? Lack of vision or muzzled vision. I get amused when churches don't understand for the life of them why they have so much turnover when it comes to pastors. I meant to look it up and I didn't have time. I meant to look up because the numbers are crazy. Used to, this was years ago. I cannot imagine what that number is post-COVID of how many pastors are leaving the ministry every single day. Back then it was 1,500 are leaving. Am I right, Brother Abels? 1,500 are walking away from ministry and never returning. And, and people do not understand. It's because you've muzzled that man You've tied his hands behind his back and he cannot lead. It's like kicking a horse and holding back at the same time. I don't know if you want me to run or stop. Because you have tied my hands. Does that make sense? In other words, you hired someone to preach. You didn't hire someone to pastor. Now, we could, we could go from now to the last Sunday of the year having people come in and give them honorariums and let them preach. That does not mean they're a pastor. Does that make sense? People can preach, but it doesn't mean they're pastors. Number five, when to leave. And this is the last one. Pastor Dave, you'd come up. I have to close. We're a little over. Number five, when to leave. When your season is up. When your assignment is complete. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1 says, There is a season for everything. That means everything. 
And there's times when your season, in fact, everybody has a season. It doesn't matter if it's church or how it's related, but everybody has an expiration date. I do and you do. That's not just with death, but sometimes there's expiration dates for jobs. Sometimes there's expiration dates for ministry. Um, your assignment is over. You accomplished what the Lord wanted you to accomplish, and then He moves you to a new season. Does that make sense? Now, I would be foolish not to think, and again, I told you last week, and I'll tell you again, I don't have any plans of leaving, so everybody tries to read into things I'm not saying. So don't read into anything I'm about to say. I'm not leaving. Alicia will tell you. We have no plans to leave. The only way we would leave is if the Lord told us our assignment is over. Okay? He hasn't hasn't said that. I prayed that he would. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I'm picking. I'm picking, okay? Everybody lighten up. Yeah. (laughs) But when your expiration date is up, I would be foolish to, to think that I don't have an expiration with this. There's a thing called grace, and God graces you for pulpits, for ministries. But there's a time that the expiration date is up, and when the expiration date is up, the grace lifts. And you see this happening. If you've ever seen a good transition of a pastor to another pastor, if it's done correctly, you can watch that pastor before he steps officially into that role, and, and, and then after he steps into that role, before he steps in that role, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know about this. But as soon as that mantle is placed on him, you're like, oh, yeah, now I'm jiving. Why? Because that grace hit his life or her life for that position. And then the grace lifts off the previous guy or gal, and it transfers to the other person. I saw this happen with my dad. My dad. The night my dad passed, his mantle hit my life, meaning a grace hit my life that I had never experienced before. It was, it was like, it, like I was a different person. Like I thought differently. I saw things differently. I was 26 years old when this mantle hit my life. You talking about uh, growing up? I grew up fast, maybe too fast. But there was such responsibility placed on my shoulders at such a young age. And so there's seasons of life. Everybody say seasons. Now, let me warn you. Your season is not every few years. Come on. If you're leaving a church every few years, something's bad wrong. Okay, that's not season changing. That's you wanting to change. Okay? Also, seasons could be not necessarily the church you attend. So sometimes the devil, he prowls around and he'll masquerade And he'll make you think that the season to go to that church is over. And a lot of times it's because of uncomfortableness or offense or whatever. And it could be that your first instinct, we're kind of like horses or livestock. We have a flea mentality. When I see trouble, I run. And so a lot of times as believers, we have this, this herd type mentality because we are sheep, right? That's what the Bible calls church people, sheep. Sheep want to flee from danger or uncomfortableness. 
And so a lot of times the devil will masquerade himself to make you think it's time to bolt and run for the door when in actuality God is trying to prune something off of you. Yeah, your season's changing, but it's not the church. It's something inside of you God's wanting to break off of you. And a lot of people, the sad thing is people will leave churches they were supposed to go to and that thing never got broke off of them. And they just carry it to the next place and the next place and the next place. And pruning happens. Seasons are about pruning. Sometimes the, the pruning season, and you know this if you're into plants and trees and all of that, a lot of the pruning season happens in the winter season. What's that mean? It means dormant seasons. And so winter seasons can kind of disorient you because... It's an unflourishing season, so you associate that with leaving the church because you feel like it's unfruitful. When in actuality, it's, it's a dormant season where God is pruning things off of you. You're going to be hard-pressed to hear pastors teach like this. When in actuality, God is wanting to prune you. It's not the church is bad. It's something in you. It don't have to be a bad thing. It, it could be a very good thing that God is wanting to get you uncomfortable so you will take action. Can I hear an amen? Let me say this and I will close. Anytime you leave, it shouldn't be a long goodbye. Okay? When you leave a church, there should not be some... Leonard Skinner encore type thing where you have a farewell tour. Okay? Where you just go around touring. I'm leaving, I'm leaving. No. What you do when you leave a church is you talk to your pastors, you talk to trusted people inside the church or outside the church that, that are trusted godly people. Only a few people. When I say a few, I mean less than a handful of people. That God... I know that I'm trusting other people with this decision. Okay? I'm trusting other leadership with this decision. You don't spread that around. You, you find trusted people to talk with. And then when it's time to leave, you leave. And I mean leave. And you can't have tentacles attached over here. Mm, that's good. You have to transition and, and leave. Don't get mad at the pastor. Lord, what was that? <laughs> Don't get mad at the pastor because he didn't reach out to you because there is a separation that has to pl take place. Just like in marriage, there's a leaving and there's a cleaving. Does that make sense? Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.